TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And welcome into an exciting new Score North venture. That's right. If you are watching this, the man that you can see is the man that you clamor for more of. And now we're going to get it is time for the beginning. Episode one, as Dukes likes to say, a bonus scoop on the Mackie and Judd feed with my good friend, longtime friend. I've known him forever. Darren Doogie Wolfson. Darren, this is what we needed. This is what the people wanted. We're giving it to them. More scoopage, more conversation. Hello, Judd. Hello, Declan. I'd like to know, Judd, who the we is. I mean, is that my wife? Is that no, my kids? You, you is got, that my mom? Don't be, don't but hey, be, I'm don't here. Be shy. You it got was a lengthy negotiation. You had yep. to twist the arm of my agent. It was hard. CAA. You know, Phil Mackey bought me some wings, I think, at JJ's. That was, that was what put it over the top. We went to JJ's a couple weeks ago. It was about a two-minute negotiation. He said, hey, Hold on let's do something on Tuesdays in addition to Thursdays. I said, I'm in. I love the sound of my own voice. Let's do it. You get, Wait, hold on a second here. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Let's back up. You went to JJ's and got wings? We went to JJ's. We um, got wings. We on. got nachos. Okay, I'm checking. Oh, yeah, no, it was. I'm checking my phone. Let's see. Let's see. Phil and Doogie, my two of my dear friends. Let's see. I must have misplaced the text inviting me to a bar that's right near my house. Oh, no, I didn't. I just got stiffed. We figured you were at Bunny's, Judd. We should have extended the invitation. That's our bad. I'll blame Phil. He was more the organizer, although I, actually I think I initiated <laughs> Thanks the, to the night. I said, hey, let's do this Thursday night. Yeah. So I think I had a little to do with it. I'm trying to get off the hook here a little bit, but sincere apologies. But guess what? Well, you and I can have plenty of time to bond at JJ's. It'll be a while until Phil and I can bond again. Glad to have you here, Dukes. So it's your show. Where would you like to start? Well, I mean, I just got off a Zoom call with Gophers head coach Richard Patino. I will give him credit, Judd. Mm-hmm. Now, the collective media, it was Marcus Fuller, it was Dave Campbell, it was Andy Grader, it was Daniel House, it was Jeff Wald from Channel 9, and me. So it was just us, what, five or six lobbing Patino questions. Okay. I was the only one to ask any questions about his job status, which to me is the number one talker right now. Like, you can talk all you want about the Big Ten tournament, Marcus Carr making second team all Big Ten, third team coaches, second team media. Yes, I'm curious whether Liam Robbins and Gabe Kausher can play tomorrow against Northwestern per Patino. I think he was telling us the truth. Mm -hmm. Unlikely on both accounts. Now, maybe if they make a run, maybe one or both could come back if they play, say, Saturday, which is highly unlikely. But – in terms of the game tomorrow against Northwestern, it doesn't look like either will play. So I get all that. There is some curiosity with with some other talking points. But make no mistake, the number one headline with Gopher men's basketball right now is the future of Richard Pitino. So I will give him credit because this is not the first time in these Zoom settings that I lobbed him questions about his job status. I started a couple weeks ago. My colleague Joe Schmidt lobbed him questions. Nobody else wanted to, which is fine. But to me... Like, that's what people are curious about. And I'll give Richard credit. He was incredibly transparent, talked about how difficult it is right now, mentioned that to him, nothing out of the ordinary took place post-game Saturday. But I was told, Judd, his wife was there, his kids were there. That's not out of the ordinary, but that they took a little extra time. They walked around 
the arena. I saw that. Yeah. I had somebody. Yeah. That saw, that saw them that. that said, Hey, it seemingly had the feel of we're saying goodbye to the barn, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I don't know if, if Patino was guaranteed a ninth year, if his wife, if his kids, if him, if they would have taken that same walk post game on Saturday. So what, what is the process now they, they, you know, win or lose against Northwestern. They're obviously probably going to be out pretty quick. Um, when do you think Coyle pulls the plug on Patino? And then I guess most importantly, how does the process play out from there? Well, I mean, I think there's work already happening behind the scenes. I think it's been going on for a little while now. I think it happens fast, Judd. Like if they lose tomorrow, I wouldn't be shocked if if in our inbox on Thursday morning there is a press release. And if they win tomorrow, play Thursday – I think it'll be really hard to beat Ohio State on Thursday. I think they can win tomorrow against Northwestern, but I don't like their chances Thursday against Ohio State. So no. if they lose that game on Thursday, maybe it's not like Thursday at 8 p.m. Maybe it's more like Friday morning, 8 a.m., 8.30 a.m., mm-hmm. but I think it happens pretty darn fast. And then as far as that goes, what's the next step then? Because we, we've uh, you know heard all the names, in fact – I think Shooter in Sunday's Pioneer Press ran through every possible permeation and name um, of potential coaching candidates with guys still playing, with teams still in the tournament, blah, blah, blah. How quickly can Coyle proceed there uh, to try and fill that, that job? And, and because he's so private, Doogie, what's your personal opinion about where he's at? Do, do you think he's got a definite choice b- basically done by now? Do you think that there's, you know, two or three candidates? What what do you think Coyle is going through? Because I will say, and there's probably good and bad to this, when it comes to Coyle, we don't know much at all ever on how he thinks. Like, we don't, we can guess, but there is no open book. There aren't many leaks. It is remarkable that, that an AD at a Division One school is able to keep things this quiet. I agree. Completely different from the Norwood Teague, Mike Ellis era, right? I mean, those guys were open books. So, yeah, it's more challenging for for reporters like you and me to unearth information. I mean, he's ninja-like. He's he's stealth-like, but he knows how to hire head coaches. I think he ends up, even if he has a definitive number one candidate right now, and I think he does, Judd. I I really do. We can go more in depth on this, but the buzz the last 24 hours – is Jim Dutcher's kid. It's Brian Dutcher. Okay. But like even going back to the football search a few years ago, when a lot of us thought, okay, PJ Fleck, slam dunk, he ended up talking right to, to Les Miles. Imagine if he had hired <laughs> Les Miles with with that fallout from his days in LSU now that Kansas fired Miles. So I think you end up doing your due diligence. Like if he ends up talking to Sam Mitchell, that would not surprise me. Maybe another candidate or two, but I think in his mind, he has a clear cut number one, but you're right. Like, okay, let's keep playing the Dutcher game. San Diego state is pretty good. I don't think they will be as high as a four or a five seed, but like they could get to the sweet 16. They probably will have to pull off an upset in the round of 32, but they are certainly capable of winning multiple NCAA tournament games. So then the process plays out to some extent. I'll be curious to see if, if the U, if Coyle ends up hiring a search firm, just to do some vetting. Coyle has his list. He doesn't per se need a search firm to help him with names. He has the names. Yep. But oftentimes it's easier for a search firm 
to do a lot of the vetting. So I'll be curious to see if if they end up spending the money because normally that's that's a six figure payment. I was going to say that's you know, a that tough, that's department. A, no, it's a tough sell, dude. Doesn't have a whole lot of money, right? That's a real tough you know, sell so, right now. Yeah, it is. You know, but but I'm telling you, like there's there's a few people in the game, Judd, and and the purpose of of this podcast, this conversation is yep. is the scoop. I mean, I can tell you, I can show you the text messages. I can show you. I won't show everybody Just here on this video feed. But pull them up to the camera. There are. There are very smart people. Now, it's not Mark Coyle. I'll tell you that. Mark doesn't text me back. Yep. Actually, one time he did, but he doesn't really what, text me birthday? back. So it's, it's not Mark. So, you know, you're you're sifting through secondhand a little bit, maybe even thirdhand. But there is a good amount of, of Brian Dutcher steam, I'm telling you, going back to, to Monday morning. Does Brian Dutcher excite the fan base? Like, does Brian Dutcher sell any tickets? Does Brian – because the one thing – post-pandemic, in this town, across the board, too, aside from the Vikings, probably, Doogie, is is this is not a big market. It's got an incredible amount of, of really upper echelon sports competition. Uh, and so I'm curious, does Dutcher at least get people re-engaged, potentially, with golfer basketball? Well, I don't know if he sells tickets quite like maybe an Eric Musselman would or maybe a Ryan Saunders. But this is still a pro market. You know that, Judd. Sure. So I don't think people are, are you know, desperate to be buying gopher men's basketball season tickets or even on a game-by-game basis. I love the barn. I think you love the barn. I think Huge Declan, fan. to some extent, loves the barn. But there are a lot of people who want nothing to do with watching a game in old Williams Arena. That There's way more appeal to going, if you're a casual fan, to a game at the X or maybe even renovated Target Center. Certainly not old Williams arena. But yeah, do I think the name Dutcher resonates enough? It's an older fan base. I mean, you look around going back two years ago when fans were allowed in the stands mm-hmm. and heck, my father-in-law in his mid seventies just gave up his season tickets, but he had season tickets, fifth row center court. He gave Drew and I his tickets for a couple games per season. So I sat there among all the fans. Trust me. I was one of the younger people. <laughs> like if you went three rows down, yeah. three rows up. Yep. Like a lot of gray hair, right? Uh-huh. It's just, it's an older fan base. It just is. But do I think Dutcher could sell some tickets? I do. Like he's won at a high level at San Diego State. Heck, they were a one seed a year ago before things shut down. That's when they were able to play a normal non-conference schedule. They beat Iowa. They beat Utah. They beat Creighton. So they had some resume wins in addition to to having an unbelievable run in the Mountain West, they weren't able to have that sort of non-conference schedule in this you know, coronavirus year. So that's why their resume isn't as strong. And I get it. Like, my personal opinion, Judd, is San Diego State is a better job than Minnesota. Like, if I'm Dutcher, I'm not leaving San Diego State, but I get it from this standpoint. You ready for this? Yes. I'm ready, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for, for a move like this to happen because myriad reasons, but – I heard that dad's not doing well health-wise. You know, so if he's back here, he's closer to Jim, his dad. Yep. He went to school here. Yep. His wife went to school here. Yeah. The budget would be considerably bigger. Like, they don't even fly charter for every game at San Diego State. Mm-hmm. He would make more money. Do I think he would make significantly more money? No. But, like, even in a few years, you know, if he stayed at San Diego State, he would get to, with incentives, around one five. Maybe one six, like instantly, he'll at least be at that. Yep. 
once he, you know, if he ends up signing a contract to, to be the Gophers coach. He's, what, 61 years old. So it's now or never. To me, the key would be he hasn't recruited Minnesota for decades. Like the last time he really recruited Minnesota would have been when he was at Michigan. He would need to hire the right staff, even with that name resonating here in Minnesota. Right. I'm not quite sure it resonates with Trey Holloman at Creighton Durham Hall or Prince of Leg Bay at Minnehaha Academy or any number of really good players in the 2022 and 2023 classes. Like right now, mm-hmm. between those two classes, the junior high school class here in Minnesota and the sophomore class, the Gophers have 10 scholarship offers out. Now, are all 10 committable offers? We can debate that. But there are 10 players between wow. those two classes that the current coaching staff believes are worthy of a Gophers scholarship offer. That's rich. Like. The 2022 class has a chance to go down in history as one of, if not the best, high school class the state of Minnesota has produced in a really, really long time. So that's another reason why you get a new coach in here, so he can hit the ground running, even with the dead period, because there are limitations right now in terms of recruiting. Mm -hmm. But you get that new coach in here, even if he can only do Zoom calls and text messages and phone calls, you get the new coach in here to hit the ground running with the 2022 class. Doogie, this is why what you just said is why it is so pathetic and sad right now. The state of, of the wolves and gophers being so bad in our lifetimes, both of us, really, this has gone from being a non-basketball state as far as talent goes, right? Like there was some talent here, but guys like Jim Pete, right? Or Brewer. And, but it, it was, it was a, one or two guys. Now it's multiple kids in classes who aren't just good. They are outstanding players. And that's why I think it's so sad that the state of the two top men's teams in this town are so bad because there is, there's just a huge collection of basketball fans of basketball lovers who want to embrace this thing. And my question to them is what do you have to embrace? You know, I mean, the wolves are complete joke. The Gophers have fallen off the map, which is sad. And and as a hockey guy, I will tell you this. This town it can be an unbelievable basketball town. But you got to give them at least a, a morsel of something from the men's teams that they can embrace here. It can change fast, though. I mean, I don't disagree with everything you just laid out, Judd. But basketball is that sport where you hit on, in the case of, of college, one or two money recruits. It can change fast. In the case of the Wolves, hey, if they somehow hit on that 40% chance, land a top three pick in the summer, end up with, let's say, Cade Cunningham of Oklahoma State, or even Jalen Suggs, the local kid out of Gonzaga, if they add another upper echelon draft pick Mm -hmm. to the mix they already have, maybe they're not as far away as we think. I think it's tougher for the Wolves than it is for the Gophers, as competitive as as the Big Ten is, like you should look at the Michigan and Michigan State recruiting classes over the next couple of years. And Underwood has Illinois just humming right now, right? Wisconsin recruits a very specific player. They do a good job with that. Wisconsin is always going to be middle of the pack with a chance to jump up upper echelon of the conference. Fran McCaffrey has Iowa rolling right now, even though he's about to lose Bohannon and Garza. So the Big Ten, I get it, is uber competitive. It's not slowing down. Right. But I still think the right coach gets in here hits on the right recruiting class or multiple recruiting classes, you can turn this thing around. And you're right. I vividly remember, even though it doesn't exist in the record books, 
I vividly remember being a senior in high school, the run, the 96-97 season, getting all the way to Indianapolis, getting to the Final Four. I vividly remember covering the Wolves making it to the Western Conference Finals, bowing out to the Lakers to this day. Like every time I run into Gary Trent Sr., to this day, he swears to me, if they hadn't suffered the injuries they suffered, that they were going to win the championship, that he really sincerely believes <laughs> they were going to beat Kobe and Shaq and the Lakers, then beat, who was it? It would have been what? The Detroit Pistons in the finals. That, that they were going to win a championship. I buy that second so like, part. I, I remember the, the block parties outside of you know Glicks in downtown Minneapolis. Yep. That street was shut down like the building was, was electric. Such a buzz. There really was. So this this can be that again. Mm-hmm. The number of kids participating in basketball is off the charts. Like my son was fortunate enough to play fourth grade basketball during the season. His team actually just won a state championship. There were a lot of state champions, different tiers. Congratulations. His still. team won a state championship yeah, over the weekend at the National Sports Center in Blaine. Just to see all the teams there, even though you know teams were shuffling in and out, a lot of people congregating in the parking lot, not allowed in because of COVID protocol, but just just looking at all the kids participating this weekend, mm-hmm. they're just there are so many kids. It's cheaper, right, than hockey. Mm-hmm. There are just so many kids, and it's easier to find a court than it is ice time. There are just there are so many kids. I'm not diminishing that this that this isn't the state of hockey. It is. That's a great marketing slogan. But yeah, there are a ton of kids that play hockey. We produce more NHL players than just about any state. I get all that, but in terms of of actual viewership TV wise, in terms of of participation numbers, and I just said it's easier to play basketball than hockey, but there are so many kids playing basketball. I'm just saying, Judd, you know, if the Gophers even win at just a, a medium level, yes, you know, get to the NCAA tournament, you know, Patino makes it twice in eight years, make it four times, yes, in eight years, every other year, that that the fan base would really embrace that. And if you're the Wolves, you got to get really lucky because this is never going to be a free agent destination. It only is if you overpay. Like if if you're the Atlanta Hawks last offseason and you're one of like three teams with with cap space and you want to get a Danilo Gallinari and pay him three years, sixty million, yeah, the Wolves can attract a free agent that way by just merely overpaying if they're like one of two teams with cap space. Mm-hmm. But otherwise the Wolves are not they're not attracting free agents to come here. They're just not. They never will. Never is a strong statement, but anytime in the foreseeable future, I just I don't see it happening. But if they get lucky in the draft, I don't think that they're they're incredibly far away, that that it's impossible to win here. Speaking of the Wolves, Doogie, what is the uh, current pressure on Gerson? Because th- this is certainly not gone as planned. He, he was trying to do and is, I think, trying to do a very specific thing. Um, and he came here looking, you know, fresh and full of vigor. And, and now he looks tired. What's the pressure there, especially with the dynamic of if, if it's true, which you we talked about last week, that Glenn is reengaged in trying to sell, you know, you might have a guy buy the team or, a, or you know, a, a conglomerate buy the team and come in and be like, we didn't hire you or you or you, you're all gone. What do you think the current pressure is on Gerson Rosas? I think it's immense, but I think as long as Glenn Taylor is calling the shots, that he has a relatively long runway. Now, when I say that, I'm not suggesting two years out. Like, the pressure will be immense next year. But, yeah, so so last week, KG puts what he did on, on Instagram that he, his group, are out of the mix to buy the Wolves. 
I capture that screenshot. I text Glenn. I've been trying to track down Glenn for weeks since he approved the firing of Ryan because I know how hard that was for Glenn. So I was hoping to get Glenn on the record talking about how hard it was for him to finally come around to to Gerson saying, hey, I need your approval to fire Ryan Saunders. Glenn never gets back to me. I text Glenn the KG screenshot. He calls me back, no joke, Judd, in five minutes. My phone rings. Glenn Taylor. He tells me, he goes, you can quote me on this. I haven't talked to KG, which isn't a surprise. Right. Glenn and KG aren't talking anytime soon. Yep. But nor have I talked to anybody associated with KG, or at least anybody that said that they're a group associated with KG. So Glenn goes, I'm baffled. I have no idea what KG is is talking about. So then Glenn and I start talking. I, you know, try to convince Glenn to, to record a podcast. He said he he politely declined, respectfully declined, but said he'll he'll hop back on the podcast at some point in the near future. But last week wasn't that day, but we talked for about five minutes mm-hmm. and he ended up telling me there's there's over ten groups, over ten parties that that are still talking to him, engaged in the in the sale process. There's a few still doing all sorts of due diligence. And he told me that the possibility does exist. This is a different tone than what he told me in December about he thinks that there was a realistic chance then that a year from now, so that would be Christmas 2021, that he would still be the majority owner. Yep. He told me last week that that, that possibility you know, is there, that, that he ends up finding a, a willing partner or multiple partners that – that he is no longer the majority owner, you know, it would take a little while, but you know, in in the coming months, that that there is a new majority owner. Now, I still think if that happens, Glenn is going to end up retaining some sliver of ownership. Maybe it's fifteen percent or twenty percent, but not control. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean he's got control. Correct. Right. He's not calling the shot. So that's that's where the pressure ramps up. If you're Gerson, you know when, and, and I still think it's when, not if. With Glenn now, what either approaching eighty years old or he just turned 80, that, that Glenn realizes it's, it's time. He's got the blessing from his family. There's no succession plan in place within the family. So it's on Glenn to sell, to sell to somebody that, that hopefully keeps the team here, doesn't pay the $50 million to break the target center lease to move the team to Vegas or Seattle. So that takes some homework, but, but sell to somebody. And yeah, then that person or that, that group can then decide the future of, of Gerson Rosas, you know? So I still think there would be some sort of leash there. Like, let's say there's a new owner in place, a new majority owner in place by May or June. Mm -hmm. I don't think that person is then firing Gerson July 4th or the end of July. I think there would be some sort of runway, but that just ramps up the pressure for next year. Like, if if they don't make meaningful progress next year, I think there would be wholesale wholesale changes. And and with Cat, too, the problem there is – Dukes, I can't figure out, like, I like him. He's a good player. Very good player. And when he's playing well, he's fantastic. But with Cat, what I can't figure out is what his exact role is going to be, uh, both from a personality standpoint and a playing standpoint. And, and so if I'm the Wolves, what I'm very concerned about now is, is I can pay all of the lip service I want, and I probably should, to how important Cat is to my team. But the more I watch this team, and I've texted you consistently throughout, well, I become Mr. Basketball, okay? Um, I really don't know what role Cat wants to play. Like, sometimes I feel like he wants the role, and then sometimes I feel like he's going to defer no matter what. And and that really, that right there is the problem, 
Because if I'm going to build the rest of the team around him, I need to know his exact role on that team. And personally, from having seen a ton of bad basketball games this season, I don't know what it is at this point. I think he wants to be 1A, Judd. I think he wants to be the alpha. It doesn't act like it consistently. I know. Well, it's been such a weird year, right? With with all the personal turmoil. But has he ever acted like consistently? Like there have been games he has for sure. I think he I think he hears the noise that the only time he has made the playoffs is when Jimmy Butler was here. Mm-hmm. That once in six years, that that he's not capable of being the alpha on a good team. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to be said about that. But he's heard that chatter, and I think it motivates him to say, bleep you, like I can be the, the alpha on a really good team. I talked one-on-one with Chris Finch last week you know, getting to, to know him. And, and I, I tossed that question his way. I said, hey, do you believe? Now, I didn't expect him to say no, but I said, Chris, you know, do you feel like Cat can be the alpha on a really good team? Mm-hmm. You know, and he talked about working with, you know, good big men over the years, including Nikola Jokic in Denver, that he feels like Cat has the skill set. You know, and heck, like Jokic is the 1A in Denver, but Jamal Murray at this point is like a clear-cut 1B like, there's not a whole lot of separation, even though Jokic, you know, is top three, top four right now for MVP. I mean, the numbers he's put up yep. are off the charts. But Jamal Murray has has taken that significant step up going back to last year's performance in the bubble. And it's, you know, been a little bit of a roller coaster this year for Jamal. But Jamal is really, really good. Like, the Wolves don't have Jamal Murray to compliment Carl Anthony Towns. Right. John Calipari told the Wolves to draft Jamal Murray, but Tom Thibodeau went the Chris Dunn route instead. So he was staring them in the face. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just another reminder. But yeah. but that's that's where, like, you pray that Anthony Edwards has that in him to ascend to being Cat's Robin. I don't think it's D'Angelo Russell. I'm sure deep down Cat would love for it to be D'Angelo Russell. I don't see a Judd. I think the one year that he helped Brooklyn – Rebound from an eight and eighteen start to yep. finish over five hundred. I think it was forty two and forty. They ascended as high as the six seed, made the playoffs. I think that was a mirage. I'm not saying that D'Angelo Russell can't help a team. I still think there's elite shot making and shot creating there. I just don't know how much playmaking there is now. There now, Chris Finch believes there's a lot more playmaking in D'Angelo's game, and we know that he's a sieve. On defense, I, I just don't think if D'Angelo is the 1B, you're going anywhere. But the hope would be it's either Edwards yep. or they land a top three pick this year with the 40% chance that, that they don't end up giving the pick to Golden State, pick four or below. They're getting the fourth Going pick. back to the Wiggins-Russell trade. They're getting the fourth they pick. End up, yeah, that they end up hitting hitting on a really good player, you know, later this this summer, you know. But I think it, I think it motivates Cat. I do. But – do I think they're going anywhere with Cat as the alpha? Mm-hmm. I don't, Judd. He's got, what, three years left in his contract after this? The clock is is ticking. Like, if, if you were ever going to maximize his trade value, yep. it probably would be after this year. Three years left in his deal. It's not a rich free agent class after all these guys have, have re-signed, right? Like, we thought Giannis might be a free agent this summer. He's not. Mm-hmm. There's There's other guys that we thought would hit free agency this summer. They're not going to, like, now would be the time. Now, do I think the Wolves are close to entertaining that idea? I don't, but I'm just saying I would be open-minded at least. It would come down to to what teams are offering. Like, 
I can just tell you here, you know, scoop sake, like the Dallas Mavericks would have all sorts of interest in, wait, in acquiring wait, that. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Go ahead. Phoenix would too. Yep. You know, there's there's other reports out there about the Knicks. Now, Leon Rose is his former agent. Now, Tibbs is the coach, but Leon is his guy. Yep. You know, uh, you've got... He played you know, for Tibbs, you think? Somebody tossed out Miami. Like, how crazy would that be with Jimmy down well, Hold on there? a second. But, but, but could Cat play yeah. for Tibbs now? Yeah, I think now that he knows what to expect and, and being that close to home and with Leon being there in charge. Yep. Like, Leon Rose is Cat's guy. He is. So I think there would be enough comfort there. Wow. You know, and the Knicks have a bunch of young assets. They have some future draft picks going back to the Porzingis trade. You know, so the Knicks could put together an enticing package. I mean, so could other teams. I mean, I just named, you know, three with other scuttlebutt suggesting Miami. I, I don't know about Miami. Uh, but, like, Phoenix has, you know, DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges. Uh, they have future draft picks. Dallas, you'd probably have to take Porzingis. I don't know how enticing that would be. But, you know, Dallas maybe could involve another team. You're not getting Dantich, of course. But there would be, like, if the Wolves ended up getting to that point, it would have to get to the point of Cat requesting a trade. Sure. Then the Wolves shopping him. The Wolves are not going to just shop him. It would have to be Cat, you know, requesting out. But if it ever came to that, my point is, Judd, I think a lot of teams would come calling. Like, there would be, even though he's only made one all-star team, He's only made one All-NBA team in six years, mm-hmm. and I don't think he's making All-NBA this year, right? So I think we can talk about six years, not making All-NBA more than once, but there would be a ton of interest in him. There just would be. Final scoops. Th- throw some more our way. Well, talks are ongoing with the Byron Buxton camp, the Jose Barrios camp on on an extension. The Twins would love to get something done. Like, they offered Buxton – Two, three years ago, like these talks have been ongoing. Yeah, I know. For a really long time. Same with Barrios. Like you've been talking look at, about him for three years. Look at the Kepler deal. Look at the Polanco deal. Yes. Those are team friendly contracts. The twins would love to do a team friendly contract. <laughs> yes, they would. With with Buxton or Burrios. You know, but those talks are ongoing. I would have found a way to bring back Jake Odorizzi. It's not like he broke the bank with that Astros contract. I still think there's a lot of 2019 Odorizzi in there. I think that's a really shrewd move by the Astros, but even after many talks with his agent, the Twins were just not engaged in the end on on trying to find a way to bring back Odo, who loved it here. Loved playing for Rocco Baldelli. Loved working with pitching coach Wes Johnson. Like, Jake Odorizzi sincerely loved it here. Like, I couldn't hop on an Odorizzi Zoom yeah, Royce because told us about that. of Patino, but yeah. I got a text message from, from Twins PR that, that Jake requested a Zoom session with Twins Media to pretty much say goodbye. It just happened about an hour ago. I don't know what he said because, again, I was I was on the go for basketball Zoom at the same exact time. But, like, classy guy. And I, I just think last year there were so many injury hiccups. I think there's a lot of 2019 still still in Odorizzi. So I wish him all the best. On the Vikings, they're just – it's wait and see. Like, the Dak Prescott contract suggests – that Jerry Jones knows these these monster TV deals are coming, that the cap is going to go up. I don't know how high it's going to go up. So we just in twenty two wait. Yeah. Yeah, in twenty two, not yeah. not in twenty one. But even 21. in twenty one, does it go up to one eighty five? You know, we know the floor is one eighty. One eighty three is my goes, guess. Yeah. Could it go as high as one eighty five? Maybe it ends up at one eighty three. But yep. 
the Vikings are still waiting for, for full clarity on that. It is ridiculous that free agency starts in six days. You can legally tamper in six days, yep. yet these teams don't know exactly what the salary cap will be. But I, I foresee more, at least one more cap casualty type move. You know, so stay tuned. I mean, it's, it's going to be a busy week. Rick Spielman right now is at Northwestern Pro Day. He's hit the road. So he's in Evanston. He's expected to hit the Madison uh, Pro Day, the, the University of Wisconsin. I think that's tomorrow or later in the week. Mm-hmm. Then Friday is the North Dakota State Pro Day. Trey Lance, but, but don't sleep on offensive lineman from Becker High School, Dylan Raddins. Dylan Raddins, remember that name. He is a good scheme fit for the Vikings offensive line. I would love to see the Vikings find a way to get Dylan Radden. So the expectation is Spielman hits a few other stops later this week in addition to today at Northwestern. Great stuff, sir. Bonus scoops on Tuesdays now. It's a, a new and improved and more Doogie. And Doogie, you always bring it, and we appreciate that. We'll talk to you on Mackie and Judd for a normal scoop session on Thursday's show, okay? You got it. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday morning. Always appreciate it. Sounds good. Thanks, Dukes. That is the bonus scoop. We'll talk to you later. You're the one who protects the flock, and that requires an eye for detail. Because when safety and well-being are on the line, it's the details that can save lives. Even when no one else is watching, you see everything. Granger gets you, and we're here for you, and all the ones who get it done with a wide range of safety products and solutions, plus board-certified safety consultants here to answer your questions. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With Black Friday Savings at the Home Depot, you can get top brand laundry sets with the latest tech to tackle any mess you might face this holiday, like automatic fabric and load size detection for spills of any size, from cookies and milk on your favorite holiday sweater to the toddler of the house discovering just how fun cranberry sauce can be. Make more magic this holiday season. Let your new appliances handle the mess. Shop Black Friday Savings and get up to 30% off, plus instantly save up to $750 on select LG laundry sets at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Offer valid November 2nd through 30th. U.S. only. See store or online for details.